Woo! So yeah, I, was, I was away. <laughs> I was away. I have more of a tan. I have a new outlook on life in the industry. And it's just good to be back with you talking about things. It really is. Yeah. Here I go. We decided we are never, ever going away on vacation in the summertime again. Because it's really genius, New York especially for you guys. So see, for us, see, in Nashville, it's like death humidity here. Yes. Oh, so yeah. You're like, Get me some breeze. Give me the breeze. ocean somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yes, exactly. a little sip. No. For you, it's like, what? What was it? Like 83? It's magic. Yeah. Perfect. It was yeah. It was more humid than it typically is, but I mean, like, gosh, it's just so beautiful. And up to the hills, and we were at the St. Lawrence Seaway, which is right between, like, the northern border of New York and Canada. And you know, the St. Lawrence River is awesome. I've, it like yeah. connects Lake Ontario and like the history went to this castle that some guy built for. He actually founded the Waldorf Astoria. He coined the phrase, the customer is really? always right. What? He coined that phrase. He built this castle on this island. He bought this. It's island. on an island. Yeah. Yes. He bought it, built a castle for his uh, fiance or wife at the time. I can't remember, but he built it, took three years. He opened a court, all this stuff. He bought farms up there, sent the produce down to wow. his restaurants in New York City and the hotel. And then she passed away like a month before he was going to give it to her on Valentine's Day. And he never went back to the island. Okay. What? <laughs> Yeah, no, Art Art Dessen uh, with Impa was telling me all about it. It's oh, like right. this like whole series of Next like time you guys come up. Yeah. Next time you guys come up, we'll go. So cool. We'll go. Oh man, there's so much going on in the auto industry. Um, but yesterday, Nathan on Team Asoto and I were able to go to the West Her annual employee appreciation event. And to call it an so event cool. is the understatement of the year. There were <laughs> so they have uh, 3,021, if I remember the number they said, uh, employees across Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, which are all within like two hours of each other. Um, right. There were 8,500 people at this event. They rented out of fairgrounds. They had rides and food and arts and crafts. They built a toy store. We're going to release footage of this. They built a toy store in this thing, and kids could go in and pick whatever they wanted. It was insanity. Eighty-five. There were 3,000 children there. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like... <laughs> Just the fact that that exists in the auto industry, right? Like, mm. there, if you don't know that exists and you're an auto group out there, an auto dealership, like, heads up, these people are coming for your people. You can you do know? Right. Like, I mean, right. You know, like, that's the type of company people want to work for. And we're, I can't wait to highlight it and we'll highlight it. Yeah, talk about it. It's going to be more than cars, cars episode three. Yeah. And yeah, so, exactly. So more than cars episode three, we're launching episode two next month. This is going to get recorded next week, actually. So we'll be about a month out from releasing episode three. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing West her and I can't wait to, we're already like, we're talking to some of the people and some of the stories in this place are just absolutely incredible and connected to the community and the way that they see people. Um, like I, I was watching avatar last night. Okay, so oh, if you have a throwback, okay. You see, oh, no, 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 the new Avatar, right? Oh, and there's this whole like, I see you. And I I think about Scott Bueller and Matt Lasher and the team at West Her as like people that just say, I see you mm -hmm. to their people and to their community and the customers. And so maybe, well, maybe that'll be like the subtitle title of that episode. I see we'll you. See. Is, that, okay. is that where the phrase came from? I see you. Did they, did that kind of start there? Uh, 
Eh, no, no. I don't know. But uh, we have, <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of uh, seeing things, I, I can't segue into the first story, but let's talk about some news because last it. week it was crazy. This week doesn't seem like it's getting any less crazier. So in an address to over 2,000 senior managers, that's a lot of senior managers, some describe this as a fiery uh, statement. Volkswagen CEO Thomas Schaefer warned of significant challenges saying, and I quote, all is at stake. And I also quote, the roof is on fire. Uh, oh boy. He literally said that about the state of the business. Amid massive investments in EVs, he called for an immediate spending freeze, suggesting that operational costs are spiraling. His plans for cost-saving uh, performance programs, as he called them, and the need for a leaner, more agile company. He said immediate freeze. Uh, said we have high operational costs. Um, he said we have to cut $11 billion over the next three years. Yeah. Him and Jim Farley have been hanging out. Can you imagine? It's like a support group for the cost-cutting executives well, of automobiles. Well, all those 2,000 senior managers probably need a support group too. Like you're looking at these companies that are pushing into new spaces, opening up the way that they research and develop new vehicle types. And then even like Volkswagen spinning off Scout, right? And you think about all of the things that they've done over the last two, three years and this like, dream state mentality of a new of a new future and then all of a sudden it's like whoa 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 things aren't going as well um they're still uh they, they still have uh plans on the horizon to release the id7 in europe and then they've got a new combustion engine which is uh kind of wild in the tiguan and passat model so like the the narrative around <laughs> this ties in the last week so well <laughs> yeah last week we're like Oh my goodness, EVs, rising day supply like crazy across legacy manufacturers. And then we've got now a brand, an OEM saying probably, and most specifically, the massive investment in EVs are is inhibiting their ability to be not just like growing, but a sustainable business. Yeah, well, you can't pour money. It's funny, Tony Owen says, if VW says that, there'll be problems for everyone. Get ready. Listen, when this is what happens when you disrupt the consumer demand cycle. When a consumer wants something and you build it, they buy it. When they didn't necessarily say they wanted it and you built it and then all of a sudden they stop buying it or don't buy it or want to buy it a lot cheaper than it costs for you to make it. In repeat, we were joking before the show. It's like, it's not, you said, this isn't like the metaverse thing, right? No. You can't just release threads and be like, you know what? We're good now. <laughs> going to be okay. Yeah, right, it doesn't. Yeah. We have factories and ecosystems and product development cycles. So um, there's more of this coming, people. More of this yeah, coming. I, in, in Steve Greenfield, his his weekly newsletter, he was just like, it was story after story. And it's like closing the consumer gap from on demand right now is extremely difficult because we have already gone through the early adopter adoption curve and it doesn't look like there's this there's basically four layers in an adoption curve the second uptick layer um which are like the second adopters are not happening at this speed or rate that you expect on a technology curve which is dangerous for all evs well especially when typically the way you get over that hump is like significantly incentivizing them to try it and right. we're already talking about the fact that evs are a negative value proposition at the rates that they're already selling which are already way higher than what they thought they were introduced that they would be selling them as now i need to throw more money on it like 
we're going to watch this one unfold in slow motion, but we're in the middle of it. And look, what dealers are going to do is what they're doing, right? Like, oh, we're going to refuse yep. our allocation of mock es We're going to like put pressure back on the OEMs to say, hey, like we want to sell customers what they want. And that whole thing is going to start. And you know what? Here's the deal. Automotive always finds its way, though. It'll find its way. I'm not too terribly worried about this. Uh, I, I still think there's a future for EVs. I just think the manufacturers are going to have to take a much more track with me, Paul. Track with me. Measured approach <laughs> to driving consumer demand. Uh, oh, on, speaking man. of consumer demand. Ah, we'll go with this. What a juxtaposition here. No kidding. So after a two-year delay marked by component shortages and all kinds of shenanigans, Tesla announced in a tweet on Saturday it had finally built its very first Cybertruck in its Austin, Texas Gigafactory. Um, the photo, if you're watching, you can see it. If you're just listening, uh, features a single Cybertruck surrounded by a jovial-looking group of hundreds of workers wearing yellow <laughs> safety vests and hard hats. The hard hats just add something to the picture. I, I got to th throw the picture up again because I got to just... Yeah, I know like, who you're going to point out right now. <laughs> well... I'm not going to point out anyone, but there, there it is kind of funny how like there's a couple people without the hard hats. But the really, really funny part here is like, does the truck even have tires, though? I don't know. Did they make the whole thing like they just found a roof, threw it out there. They got a whole bunch. Oh, of you can't see because yeah, you can't see the part. truck. You can only see the gigantic windshield. So, um, look, there's been a lot of uh, talk over the Cybertruck. They finally produced one. Um, the company's plans are to uh, produce quarter million trucks a year out of this factory. Uh, what does the ramp up look like? How many are they actually going to get? Who knows? But Tesla obviously eagerly anticipating getting into the profitable pickup truck. Uh, segment. And uh, that's just going to put obviously more pressure on the conversation we were just having, you know, Tesla company who just built created demand for EVs built vehicles to that demand and don't have all the the baggage of having to try to manage two different business units. That's the and, trick. Yeah, they have a single line of focus in Martin. Well, they don't have any marketing, quote unquote, but like a wow. single line of focus in content and marketing and deliverability, marketing, meeting sales, meeting operations. And that's the through line. I think that like the legacy OEMs are going to struggle with. I would say that we're going to see massive success uh, from this because all of those are in line. And I mean, they have price. I don't want to suppose too. anything here. But if I had to guess, they know exactly when that Cybertruck is going to land. And it is with pinpoint accuracy, uh, the timing at which they're going to put that vehicle on the road. Well, see, Jim Farley said like a couple of weeks ago, he's like, that's not a truck for regular people. Is what he said. It's not. Well, it's not. Look at it. But the, no, it's not a truck for regular truck people. But I mean, is there anything in the Tesla brand that's for regular people? Uh, starting to get there. But I, I mean, it's going to pull more people into the truck market is actually what it's Absolutely going to do. Will be. So yeah. speaking of pulling people into the market. Stop. Ah. Time. Historically, new technologies have favored younger generations in the workforce as they quickly adapt to and deploy them into their tasks. But there's a little bit of change on the horizon uh, as generative AI tools like ChatGPT and Dolly are quickly being utilized by people that are already in the workforce to complete mundane tasks that typically would have been left to people that are like entry-level uh, workers or younger generations. Mm -hmm. And listen to this. It's even stunting workers that are in the environment, their professional development. That makes so, so much sense. It does because it's like, oh, great. 
Need to put together a PowerPoint for the executive? Done. Right? right? Generative <laughs> AI, lack of skills along PowerPoints. It's interesting. Um, still, executives are largely enthusiastic about AI integration, yeah. while a significant portion of Gen Z is actually concerned about the impact of AI on their career trajectory with, listen to this, 76% fearing job loss to AI, according to a ZipRecruiter survey. And Man, Can you imagine? You're like coming out of college, like, let's go, baby. Let's go. Going to get my job. Gonna AI. <laughs> so I had a, I had a conversation. I had a conversation with uh, an intern we had here at a SODU for uh, six or eight weeks over the summer. And in kind of like our exit in our exit conversation, you know, I was just trying to ask him what his plans are. He's got one year left. And I said, I would spend as much time as possible getting great at any AI tool you can use it right. as much as possible. And he says, that's interesting. He goes, because, and he goes to Syracuse University. Like this isn't in a little like community college. Yeah. He's like, oh, cause they really frown on us using those tools. I was like, of course they do that's because it supports the old system and it's moving so fast they can't keep up. I was like, listen to me, you need to be like able to put on your resume. I am an expert at these AI tools because right. you're the one that's gonna get the job because the executives who know the leverage that that brings um, we'll change that, flip that into this mentorship conversation. Let's steer back to what you were talking about. Um, you think of all the mentorship that happens while you're trying to figure out like living in a business work environment out of college. Well, yeah. Like just, just the environment of like, I don't know the answer to this. Go ask my boss, go ask my mentor, go ask someone else that's been doing it longer than me. Now you remove that interpersonal interaction and go to chat GPT to answer those questions. And they could be right, could be wrong, and could not be based on the particular business applications. So that like portion of career growth and an interpersonal relationship within business, mm. it's gonna Everything. be a it's gonna be a big gap. But sure. you know what? There happens to be an industry that that still happens on a very regular basis. And if it has you want, to. oh my goodness, if that doesn't increase the value proposition of a young person coming out of college or going to tech school or coming right out of high school and going right into, into an environment where you can be professionally mentored, you can start to learn, get your footing in life. You can still learn the AI tools and learn how to function. You can learn interpersonal skills. And by the way, you can make a whole lot of money without the big bag of college debt. There happens to be a little industry that we talk about a lot. There you go, <laughs> oh there you gosh. go. I love it, I'm pumped. That's what it's all about. Come on to Otto, everybody. Tell the good story, tell the good story. Come on in, come on in. Well, it's just money, we have a lot coming on. Look, More Than Cars is on the march. If you haven't seen it, go to morethancars.tv and we're having a little conference called a SodaCon. 